0: And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR, with This Old
1: Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 89 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded on Monday, July 27th, 2015. Well, folks, Trump trumps content. Do you believe that highly overrated at Robert Rose? What a dope. Total lightweight, that Joe Polizzi. Those two maybe inevitable conclusions came directly from at Trump Insulter, the wonderful invention that Mother Jones magazine brought to life last week and is which has gone completely viral. You simply put in a name of the and the insulter generates a Donald Trump-esque insult to delight you and your friends, and don't you be expecting an apology. So, this week's introduction is brought to you by the automation of the content insulter engine at Trump Insulter. PNR is going to bring you the unimportant content marketing news that's all a fraud. Make America great again. We have examples of this old marketing, which of course you should ignore because this old marketing is rating starved and created without much of a brain. The United States has enough problems, doesn't it? And will bring you rants and rays, which Trump has been totally warning you about as early as the 1980s. Rants and rays, which are a total joke, a dummy who is lost, a total loser. Donald is getting out of control, folks, and Robert and Joe are here to help folks make content marketing great again, stop the scourge of immigration from regular marketing, and so we should get this trumped-up, comb-over, hairstyle show started, talk about ourselves in the third person, and of course, help Robert do that is my friend, my colleague, my good, good friend, the art of the content marketing deal, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? I'm fantastic. The better question is, how are you with your uh, your trip to Sydney? I am, you know... I. As is well-known, I love this city very much. I am wishing I got to spend more time here. It's cold here. It's actually the dead of winter, so it's actually a little chilly, 40 degrees today. So it's actually a really beautiful day. It's early in the morning here, we should say that. So I have coffee in front of me, and... uh, and yeah, ready to ready to tackle the day. It's um, I'm I'm powering through, which I guess is the word. Well, you just tell them that Cleveland in the
0: winter, if it was forty degrees, that would be balmy, <laughs> and we would all have shorts <laughs> yeah, on. I, <laughs> and we would well, be enjoying life. 40 I was at an, an event January.
1: yesterday. I was at an event yesterday, and they all came in in their woolly coats and scarves and stuff. And I said, "It's forty people. It's not below zero. It's you know, it's it's not cold. But they're you know, this is unusual for them. Unusual cold weather for them, I guess. Well, still for you too. I mean, you're an LA guy. You never see forty degrees." That well, no, we do, we do. It's 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 rare. I will admit that with that it gets really, really cold, but um,
0: only when Kanye know, in comes to town. Right? I mean, it's it's.
1: I a... <laughs> now now. <laughs> I love Kanye. <laughs> Who doesn't love Kanye? <laughs> it is yes, he is an entertainment factor. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> hey, so, uh, do we like have
0: news this week? Did, were you able to, to get things together there, on your on your yeah, wild trip? Yeah, I
1: think I. We have gotten things together here. I mean, you know, this—it's an interesting thing too. This is, i don't know how interesting this is actually, but—but but I'm actually recording this on Tuesday, and you're recording this on Monday. So I actually come to you from the future a little bit. Oh my so God. this is so, scary because the know, last time yeah. we did yeah. a Sydney we're in two, we're podcast, in two different days, I man. was in.
0: I know I, this is strange. I wonder if that's going to disturb yeah. the recording in some way, but. We'll there, just go with it. In the all we know is the affected. end of the world. Exactly. The end of the world will not
1: be tomorrow. That is right. There is a tomorrow. I will tell you all there is a tomorrow. And it's a beautiful, beautiful day. That is- and with that, let's get to let's the news. Let's do that. <laughs> All right. Two of our favorite social networks are in the news this week, um, both uh, Google and LinkedIn. We've paired a couple of stories here for our top story. LinkedIn, our top story here, LinkedIn quietly removes option to export contacts, making users wait up to 72 hours. This story comes to us courtesy of VentureBeat, as does the other one, by the way, about Google Plus. Um, and to open up, though, this LinkedIn story has removed the option to export your contacts immediately instead The company's asking users to request an archive of their data, and that process can take up to, quote, 72 hours. Now, interestingly, in an update... LinkedIn – this came in yesterday, and LinkedIn uh, – and, and VentureBeat updated the story and said has, LinkedIn has brought back the tool after all these users complained over Twitter. Honest, weirdly, and ironic, I guess. Um, but then, fascinatingly, I actually went this morning as I was prepping for the show to go see if I could archive my data, and it says very plainly there, you're going to have to wait 72 hours. You're going to have to request it. I mean, what do you think about this? Is this – Is this much ado about nothing, or is this sort of what's you know inevitable change that happens with these social media? Well, I do
0: I do have a take on it, but what's the deal? Like, why why is this a new feature? Why is LinkedIn doing this? What do you think? Do you do you have an idea of why they're doing it?
1: Yeah, I think they're slowly removing it. I think they're slowly removing the ability for you to export your data, and I think they're so they're so they're making it more difficult. Because I just can't—I can't imagine that a lot of people do this. This is not, you know, anybody who would say, "Oh, well, this is them saving bandwidth, or this is a really tax, big tax on their system, or whatever." I—I I don't believe that because I just don't think that many people do it very frequently, um, and certainly most users on LinkedIn don't have, you know, anywhere near a lot of contacts, and so I—I I, I wonder. To be honest, if this is, you know, because there's a lot of apps out there that actually integrate with your LinkedIn database, right? So that, you know, where you can pull it into your contacts database in real time and you can kind of use LinkedIn as a real time um, ability to sort of sync contacts. I wonder if there's a paid feature coming soon which will allow you to do this. I mean, some of the commenters on the post actually were suggesting that this is the first step toward a, making this a paid feature. So and I wonder if access to your data, the client data that you have or, you know, your network data is ultimately going to be a paid paid for feature. Well, I think it absolutely has to be a premium feature. But I think <laughs> the other thing about it is is that
0: Again, we see this, and we're going to talk about it in a second. The more and more you put into any type of social media network, and nothing against LinkedIn, by the way. They can do whatever they want. This is their platform. Yeah, of course. It's their absolutely, business. Yeah, yeah, it's their business. They can do whatever they want. But it's it's so funny to me that a social platform will make a move like this, and then, oh, my gosh. You know, a gasp. There's, there, we're hitting the Twitter. We've right. got to make this change. I'm like, what? They can do whatever <laughs> they want. This is a free. This is general, essentially, a free service that you're just taking your time, and they can do whatever they want with it. And it just blows me away that that we think as consumers or business people or marketers that this stuff should just be always there for us, and we can do whatever we want with it, and that they're never going to make a change. Well, here they are. They're making a change. Right. So I don't. I mean, I don't have any issues right. with it. I would just say. Everyone listening to this, you better expect more of this to come where it could be at some point that all your, all those general features that you think of as just regular features could be behind a gated wall. They could be gone forever. So just, just, just be, I think I I like to go in with social media every day, get up and say, this might be the last day I use this platform. I mean, I really do like,
1: I really do think that way because I think it's going to happen. yeah, Yeah. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. I mean, and 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 to be clear, I'm a paid. You know, I pay for the LinkedIn service. I'm yeah, I'm I not on the top tier, but I pay for the whatever it is, ninety nine dollars a year uh, version of it. Um, and it's you know, and, and and it's still not available to me. So I, I think this is the I I think this is the first step in them looking to monetize the access to to uh to their data you know because and this has you know and if you think about it it makes perfect business sense for them because they're monetizing that data through uh you know through their integration with bizzo and third party stuff so they can now start to make the quality of data a thing right they can make that actually part of their differentiator which is we have better data on people and businesses than not. And if they make it available to you, because you're just happen to be a member, well, then they're sort of, you know, they're degrading the value of it. And so it makes total sense for them to value this and, and put a and put a dollar sign behind I've it.
0: they have done such a good job with the business community. I talked to a couple people last week that said, Oh, they're not going to start a blog, their own blog, and they're just going to do it on LinkedIn. And I'm like, oh, oh, No, oh, by that. the way, Publishing on LinkedIn is not a bad thing. You and I both do it. I'm a link. You know, yeah, I, I started absolutely. out as a LinkedIn influencer. I thought they were great. I will continue to promote that. But if that's your sole hub, uh, I think you've got issues. And so, and, and so LinkedIn's yeah. <clears> really good at, at drawing them in. I mean, the same thing with Facebook, and we're, we're going to see it over and over again. So
1: it yeah. is what it is. But you've got a pairing here absolutely. that I think is kind of tells yeah. a similar story. Well, and then right, exactly. So so just to your point. Um, here we go with Google+. Plus. So Google, this also comes to us courtesy of VentureBeat, Google is dropping the requirement for Google+, Plus to be your signature across all the products, and they're starting with YouTube. Now, of course, the the interesting thing here is the the lead of this story starts out by saying, Google has finally announced that Google+, Plus news that everyone has been waiting to hear. And I'm like, no, I've, I haven't been waiting for this at all. <laughs> but, but, but apparently, your Google+, Plus profile will no longer be be your identity in all the Google products. This change will be trickling out, as the story says, in the coming months, and the first products to enjoy the change will be the one that was most negatively affected by Google's Google Plus obsession, YouTube. Now, they very, very quickly, the folks at Google, have come out and said, no, 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 this, this is not yet another sign in Google Plus's demise, so please don't take it like that, but this is another sign in Google Plus's demise, folks. So, so if you, you know... If you haven't if you haven't heeded all the signs that have been sort of rushing past you to the date, that this is this is sort of the big billboard that says Google Plus as a social network is going away. It is not it is going away. So you no longer need to think about a social presence on Google Plus. If you want to have one for your photos, which is great, or your pictures or your videos, or those kinds of things, which apparently photographers love the Google Photo Service. Um, but anything short of that I think is probably a waste of time.
0: I feel – I really do feel bad for a lot of the individuals and brands that have built quite a community. Now, it may it may continue in whatever form, but you're right. Google+, Plus, as we know it, knew it, uh, is, is dead. Uh, we've talked about – how many times have we talked about it on this show? So if you're a regular listener of the show, this is not a surprise. We've talked about it many times. I think you predicted it two years ago or something that it was going to be dead. But it's, I still go back, and this is one of the key parts of every presentation that I give. I'm like, look. Look at opt-in email subscriptions. Look at print subscribers. Look at channels where you actually have some kind of control over your connections. Right. Here's yet another one. If you built a community, I mean, I just got, I'm thinking about Starbucks because I use it in the presentation. They've got 3 million followers on Google+, Starbucks does. Well, yeah how much money did they put in hundreds let's say put they put in hundreds of thousands of dollars from resources to paid promotion to whatever to content on that platform and then it's dead uh and, that, and i really do get scared that every other one of these platforms that same thing could happen now do i think that's going to happen to twitter and, and linkedin and facebook no i don't think it's going to happen but it could but right. but maybe it'll happen. I think we have to <laughs> I think we have to watch out for that. And that's why at all costs you cannot give your control over to some other platform that doesn't care about your business goals or your business in general. You just can't do it. Right. So, here's another thing yeah, that's going mean, to this isn't another warning sign that's going to wait in that in And I don't know. Are you seeing it, Robert? Because the more companies I go to, they're still really focused on these channels and building subscribers. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. But that shouldn't be your primary subscription goal. should not be on the social platforms. It should be building your own audience that you have at least some control over.
1: I, I totally, I totally, one hundred percent agree with that. And and the interesting thing is, I will tell you, and because what I was going to say just before you, and I'll sort of sort of work this into the answer to your question, which is, I'm still seeing a lot of people. In fact, there was an article that came out by you know a relatively well known blogger a couple of weeks ago that talked about how important it was to build your home, if you will, where your audience is. And was suggesting that, you know, and I still see this a lot where you see agencies and some consultants and that are out there talking about it's super important to go out and find your audience wherever they are and build a presence there. And I don't agree with that. I, I think you should build the presence where you can build your and own your presence and pull your audience into that. And so if your audience is on Facebook will certainly go pull that audience from Facebook and attract them to your owned media property and build that audience there where you can, you know where you have some leadership and facilitation and orchestration capabilities to be able to work and engage that audience if you go where you know it's like every great content marketing example and I've been looking at this a lot as I sort of prepare for content marketing world and my presentation on measurement, one of the things that I've been looking at is is you know I, I go back and I look at all the great presentations that have been given at conferences over the last three or four years and you think about all the wonderful examples that are out there And you start, you know, you hear Kraft and Coca-Cola and Red Bull and, and, you know, and Indium and Master Control and, you know, all these sort of examples that we've used, certainly, and that are sort of thrown up as great examples. And I look at them and I say, what do they all have in common? And what they all have in common is that they didn't. Look to where their audience was and then go build their presence there. They built their presence where they wanted to build their presence and attracted in, based on the value and quality of their content, their audience to pull them into that property. In other words, they built a shining star thing on the hill and let people come and be attracted to it. They didn't sort of say, well, let's go find where everybody's aggregating and build our tent there. No, they said we're going to build our tent where we want to build it and attract people because it's going to be so awesome to be attracted to it. And that to me is the real that's the real answer here is that, you know, do you have a Facebook, you know, presence? Of, of course you do. But that presence is to pull that audience like you would any other media company into your own and build your own audience that you get to that you get to monetize. Well, that's the thing. So I didn't mean to go off. On no, no, rant, that's so, but that's that was, yeah.
0: I think I think everyone needs to hear that over and over again. I mean, if you think about the two mentalities and I guess I would think of it as one is like a media planning mentality and one one is a publisher's media company mentality. Very, very different. And that's that's why, and look at BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed, I look at them all the time because I get people, hey, look at what BuzzFeed does and and they're on all these channels and they're doing all the social and yeah, they are. But do you know what their core uh, subscription, their core metric is? Email subscription. What's that? email subscription i mean look at their email channel they've got dozens and dozens of different ways that people can sign up and they can get that email because it's the same thing they're like we don't want to put our business model in the hands of facebook twitter linkedin medium whatever the case is we're going to use those channels for how we can use them right now but we're going to take at least some control Uh, And and that's what media companies are always the best at, at least continue to be the best at it. And they see, look, we're still driving subscribers. We're still looking to get that kind of data. data, We're going to use them for how we can use them. But if you look at other folks, you mentioned some people. And I'm sad that that kind of advice is going on. We've heard it for a long time. We've heard it for 10-plus years from multiple people saying that. And you know what? A lot of people are getting hurt a lot of business models yes. are getting hurt and those people frankly those ones that are saying these types of things they don't have the greatest business models themselves so if you ever That's hear right. well, if you ever hear anybody and I'm going to go off on a rant now if you ever hear any <laughs> if you ever hear anybody say that whoever's saying it look at their own business model and I think you will un- you will see that it's not a really really successful <laughs> underlying business model, and then and then right. you look at the look at the ones that are successful. Those are the ones that are building their house on their own land, and that's right. That's it.
1: So, yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's the it's the truth, you know. I'm on my way home, sweet home. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like
0: uh, a little Aerosmith at 7:30 uh, no, in the no, morning. No, that's dude. No, that's not Aerosmith. What that's, I, uh, Oh that's my Molly gosh, that's Crew, Molly Crew. Man. Oh man, yeah. I got. The, I have to totally like delete that section of the podcast because I feel like I'm going to have your rock and roll. Oh no, I was thinking sweet, I was thinking of sweet emotion. I'm sorry. That's terrible. Yeah, it's all right. Do we have other stories going on? Maybe we, <laughs> we should
1: go. We do. We do. This news. This the headline comes to us courtesy of Marketing Land. AOL. Yes. Here we go. AOL in the news again. It just when you thought AOL was gone into the depths that is Verizon, AOL comes charging back. AOL CMO says content marketing is about value, not advertising. Did you know that, Joe? It's about value, not advertising. Um, this is an interview with uh, Ali Klein, who was named CMO for AOL after leading a lot of marketing efforts for the AOL Platforms family of brands. She now oversees all of the global marketing strategy for AOL's corporate initiatives, advertising platforms, and content marketing solutions group. So part of the interview talks through this content marketing solutions group that they've set up. So here's yet another company setting up a content marketing studio to help their clients create content, create strategies for getting content out there and delivering value through it. And the interview is relatively interesting um, if you're looking for a feel-good piece on content marketing and, and, and creation of a studio. The real story here is kind of buried, you know, the, it's, uh, the, the lead is buried here. There's a research study that they did, um, which is an interesting thing. It's called The Alchemy of connection which, uh, and the subtitle is, A Data-Driven Approach to Creating, Integrating, and Measuring Effective Content Marketing Programs Based on the Industry's Largest Normative Database of Content Marketing Results. Well, that had my attention because, of course, I'm focused on measurement right now, and this is the alchemy of connection, and it's apparently the largest normative database of content marketing results. And so I read the methodology, and I go, okay, great. It's 40 branded content marketing programs with... 250 content activations and 43,000 consumer experiences looked at. I mean, I'm not even sure that's the biggest study done this week, (laughs) much less, much less of all time. But... I don't know what did you did you read this study, and what did you think of it? What did you think of some of the numbers in there that were talking about the value of branded content and the value of content as a whole and I think one of the interesting thing was to, to me was sort of the differences between affinity for the brand and recall of the brand in non branded versions you know where there was was a logo and where there wasn't a logo and what did you think
0: yeah i yeah.
1: It was fine. It's fine, <laughs> yeah, right? It's, it's right. fine. It, it's fine. It, it, it
0: is. It was actually. It was absolutely fine. I have no problem with it, other <laughs> than that. I mean, yeah, uh, higher affinity scores, higher consideration. <laughs> That's what the kids
1: call crap these no, days. kids. it's That's not. What, it's, it's not bad. It,
0: it absolutely yeah, is no, not bad. But same thing. Better impression of the brand. More familiar with the brand. i um, This is this is the same stuff that we've been seeing. I guess I was. Because I read the article, I was expecting a little bit more because the way the – and nothing against the, the story. You're right. The story is a great feel-good story. CMO from AOL yep. is talking, hey, this is fantastic. But yep. it was really talking about how they've got a real good feel for measurement. I don't know if this is any different than any advertising story that I or advertising research that I've seen
1: well that's so. yeah that's the only problem I really had I mean the, the the only sort of challenge I had with it is is that she spends the entire interview and then the research spends the entire bit of research talking about content marketing campaigns and I'm just out there trying to disabuse people of that notion that content marketing is a campaign driven approach. It's just, we can't continue to look at content marketing as just another form of advertising or just another form of sales collateral. It's just different. And it can't, you know, campaign based ideas are great, but they are campaign based ideas and they are, they have their place, but they're not what we're talking about really when we talk about content marketing at its core there. And the only thing about the research that sort of set me off was (laughs) if you look at the research, the difference, you know, when they sort of look at the baseline and then they look at the value that branded content brings to the table, all of the research was ostensibly like, you know, 44 versus 46 percent and 62 versus 66 percent and 72 versus 68 percent. You know, they were all like within a Margin of error, I would say you know with 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 some exceptions, but most of them were like really equal, where you could sort of just flip it around and say the exact opposite and say, well yeah forty four percent of people do like the branded content, but you know forty seven percent don't you know it's like yeah you know, what whichever way you wanted to position this, I suppose you could position it
0: well the, I think the issue it's a good point, I think the issue that I have with it, I, I don't know if this is really content marketing we're talking about because we're talking about sto- I know, stories right, exactly. Yeah, it's basically that we're talking about stories told for a limited period of time, not necessarily about products, but you know, hopefully some valuable stories that include paid integration. This is paid media. You're right. paying on their platform so really we are sort of, I mean even though the article says we're talking about value, not advertising really what we're talking about right. here is native advertising so, right, uh, or sponsored content if it will because every one of these right. content marketing sponsored content probably yeah. more than
1: anything else. Yeah, yeah, I mean every one of these uh, content the marketing video they the video they show is a is a lovely piece of sponsored content. You know, where they it's the one the the video that's embedded into the interview is this, you know, very very cute video of, you know, p- well I won't spoil it, but it's it's a it's a lovely piece of of sponsored content, but it's not really content marketing. I guess it's just and I, I was working
0: on my Content Inc. Uh, PowerPoint presentation today, so I've got it fresh on my mind. It's a, you know it's a hundred slides of, of a lot of stuff when it comes to the research and the interviews we put together. And I'm looking at the four takeaways of this presentation, and they're all really good. You know, experiment, uh, test, uh, right. look at your analytics, right. all like, of course, you're really good. But they don't talk about the things that we see that work. Focus on a content. Type that you can consistently deliver over time. Focus on a content platform that you have some control over. Uh, Build your own audience and do it over a significant period of time. I mean, they're not talking about any of those things. And that's, you know, that's a little bit frustrating that we're not seeing that kind of stuff. So there you go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, enough about them then. Enough about that AOL company then. We should move on to our next story. Um, Okay. This next one comes to us uh this is another study so get your seat belts on folks joe is going to go off on a rant here <laughs> it comes to us courtesy of moz.com and it's called the inbound marketing economy content marketing jobs abound hat tip here to carl yeah who uh, sent us over this story thank you carl and it basically opens up by saying, when it opens or when it comes to job availability and security, the future looks bright for inbound marketers. And then the story goes on to quote a Bureau of Labor Statistics project report that talks about how marketing manager growth will be between 13% between uh, 2012 and, and 2022. Um, job security for marketing managers also looks very positive, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which cites that marketing employees are less likely to be laid off since marketing drives a revenue for most businesses, <laughs> well, which which is funny be, given the state of marketing in most businesses these <laughs> yeah. days and their inability to prove the fact that they actually drive revenue, but that's another story. Um, they then go through and they said that they analyzed 75,000 job listings posted on Indeed.com during June of 2015, and they looked at a bunch of terms. So they ended up looking at content marketing, content strategy, SEO, social media marketing, social media management, inbound marketing, digital marketing, PPC, and Google Analytics as sort of tags here or attributes. And then they sort of analyzed the sort of breakdown of those things. I think, you know, I've read this article a couple of times, Joe, and I think the thing that really struck me was how – little mention there actually was of inbound in there um, you know content marketing is the biggest growth uh, of all of them followed by social media which is probably not surprising and then inbound is only mentioned one other time in the entire article which it looks when we looked at uh, marketing keywords found in US LinkedIn profiles where inbound marketing is third behind content marketing and social media so I mean are we to take anything away from this or is this is this really just, and inbound marketing that should probably be retitled, you know, the the growth of content marketing jobs um, in in the U.S. What, what, I mean, what did you take about this? Uh, first of all, I, I'm not going to rant about
0: it. I, you're, I know you're baiting me <laughs> right. to rant. I'm not going <laughs> to rant about it. I, I think the folks at Moz do a fantastic job with all they their stuff. They do a wonderful um, job. I, 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 so I don't understand the positioning. Because, and and i i think i'm if you look at um, you know jason miller from from linkedin actually is a good one to look at he talks about being a hybrid marketer all the time and i don't know i'm not much for the yeah. term hybrid but i like the idea because it doesn't exclude all forms of, of distribution and all forms of the ways that we market and distribute our information and and how we think about our marketing and that's why I, that's why i've always haven't liked inbound because how can you say that inbound marketing is the best way? If you're looking at your objectives and you're looking at your business goals, you have to stay open for how you're going to accomplish those goals. You don't know, depending when you get to that point. Sure, is inbound marketing something you should consider? Sure, absolutely, but so is outbound. So I just don't want to exclude that. Now, here's what I don't realize and or um, I don't really quite get, and when you talk about this, how does this become, in, If if all the growth is around, Search engine marketing, social media, even PPC, which I, I thought was outbound, Uh, and then content marketing, content strategy, which is inbound and outbound, and all that good stuff. So I guess I don't understand why we're trying to position this as the inbound marketing economy. I real, I honestly have a question. I'm asking you. I don't know. (laughs) I don't (laughs) know why that case is being made. Uh, I I don't. I'm I'm dumbfounded.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well I guess that's my only question, you know. And again, I'm, we don't rant on. The study looks very well put together, it looks detailed. I'm just not sure how the conclusion is that this is the inbound economy, for better or for worse, right? For you know, for good or for bad or for you know, sort of whatever you want to think about it. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure it builds the case that it's the content marketing economy either. Um, although, No, no,
0: yeah, I don't think that's. And, and, I don't think that's the case either.
1: I don't, <clears> it's not the social
0: media economy either.
1: Right. I think you can you know you can argue, I guess, a little bit that based on this data, you could say it's the digital marketing you know uh, a growth economy or yes. you know but i don't think that's i don't i don't think that's terribly you know um know, revelatory or anything. I think we, we've known that. I think the interesting thing to me about this was quite frankly, to see the growth of content marketing, you know, independent of all, you know, whether this is inbound or content marketing or SEO or social media or whatever, the, the interesting thing to me in the numbers themselves. And, and sadly the, the, the article that I don't, I didn't see a link. There's lots of links in there and it's a long article. I didn't see anything that was like, you know, a link to the sort of data or the study, which I would have loved to see. Um, but the fascinating thing to me was you know sort of sewn throughout the entirety here of the article was this interesting story about content marketing sort of really explosive growth in that you know they looked at it by location like which part of the United States was had the most job openings for these various things they looked at um, the different kinds of, of of jobs that were out there and it's a really I mean a, a really interesting look but everything that kept pointing that was i mean maybe I mean I certainly look at it through biased eyes there's no doubt about that but but the content marketing growth sort of leading all of those packs was sort of the, the interesting angle there, um, not that it was necessarily any one thing. And the second interesting thing to me is how, how much you – know, and this is something that we've seen in our own experience, and you know, we're certainly approaching it with you know, the, what we're doing with a you know, career center and all those kinds of things, which is how do we start to approach – you know the explosive growth that we're, seeing, you know, it's, it's every day that I go to a conference now or a meeting or something like that, and people are like, "We need job descriptions. We need, you know, what's the salary range? What's the, you know, what 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 does the content marketing department of the future look like? And what are the skill sets and resumes and everything that that live within that?" And it's that is a really explosive area of growth in, in businesses right now. And HR managers, I think, are 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 truthfully, you know, a little stymied with how to do it. It's a huge, yeah. I mean,
0: I guess the good part about this whole thing, and the data sort of tells us this, that it is a really good time to be a marketer, content marketer, social media marketer, digital marketer. It's you know you're all of them. It's a really good time. I guess uh, uh, let we need to need to figure out a better name for it. I guess I would have gone with the with the digital marketing economy more than that. But even that. Yeah, it doesn't define what's going on because, as we've seen and we've talked about on this show, really good opportunity in in-person events and in yep. in print right now. And I don't think you would necessarily call that digital. You certainly wouldn't call it inbound either. So I don't know. Right. It's it's that's why I mean that's why I always went with content marketing. But now I'm I'm a little biased on that, so I can't really can't really stand up to to that one. So it's yeah. But the, the, for content marketing, it looks great. Content marketing titles, content strategist titles the percentage of a job yeah, done art. by a digital marketer content related is more and more <laughs> they're getting content marketers are getting paid better getting been paid well so i mean i like what i'm seeing and i
1: think that we've just hit the tip of the iceberg so yeah, absolutely. All right, our last story for the show is comes to us courtesy of the Hollywood Reporter, um, and another positive sign for podcasting. EW Scripts, the big media company, has acquired the podcast network. H, uh, uh, and and uh, big hat tip to Pamela Muldoon here, our podcast guru and. Residents, and the article opens up by saying the boom in podcasting over the last year has made a huge impact on one Hollywood company. Midroll Media, which operates an advertising network for podcasts, including WTF with Mark Marone and The Nerdist, um, have been acquired for an undisclosed price by E.W. Scripps. And uh, so what say you, Joe Polizzi? uh, What do we see with podcasting? I mean, this is just another sort of sign in the road that tells us that podcasting is a big deal.
0: I think that for the first time, let's say in the last six months, for the first time, we're seeing... More and more marketing budgets open to podcast sponsorship, and that's what this is about, right? It's about more sponsorship, uh, mid-roll, pre-roll, whatever you want to call it, uh, a sponsorship opportunities. And I think more and more marketers like that aspect because they get a personal touch. Much like much like we're going to do in a little bit, where I give a little bit of a personal touch. Uh, they they they're seeing positive impacts with it. Scripps, obviously, a hundred year old plus company. They saw the opportunity yeah. here. They're purchasing it. So I think this is the first of what we're going to see many transactions in, in podcasting. It just happens to be this is a sponsorship one, but that makes sense that that's the first one. This is a very traditional move. It puts again puts podcasting on the map, or aud- let's say audio entertainment on the map with television, with print. Still much smaller, but at least it's in the conversation now, and I think that What's important is, is as as you go out to a marketer with some kind of an advertising budget, they're going to have a portion of that earmarked for, um, for podcast sponsorships. And I think that's good for yeah. podcasts. That's good for the industry because that's going to really be the, the arm of support. And obviously, like for us, right, we don't have to get – we like getting sponsorship. We really do. Robert and I like <laughs> we to eat. Do. It's really good. But but we don't <laughs> do we have to would we still do it without sponsorship? Sure we would because it Absolutely. supports all yeah. the other things that we do. That's not the case for a lot of other people. So this is this is what's keeping no. a lot of those alive. So I like this move. That's right. I think it's gonna yeah, be the start. I, too. I think it's gonna be the start. I, I think well, you're gonna start seeing the dominoes fall.
1: Here's, here's here's something I think that's relatively interesting, and I think this could be a little bit of the canary in the coal mine for, which is how soon do we think, and I'd love to get your take on this, how soon do we think that a big company, let's say an IBM or uh, an Adobe, because they're top of mind for me right now, or a... Uh, a publishing network or, you know, basically a big company that has lots of brands and lots of different audiences. When does that company launch a podcast network where they, you know, where they create a podcast network that's centered, you know, that's basically, you know, working off of each other in a synergistic way where they're sharing audiences, sharing sort of sponsorship, cross promoting each other in a way that's really interesting in a network sort of value, but creating that in a, in, in, in sort of a similar way to what, we've seen get acquired here uh this week i don't so okay i'll answer your question first i think
0: it's within the next 18 months that will happen but i think what will happen first is youtube network will happen first video video network will happen first because i'm and i'm going to talk about that in my rave we're already starting to see that kind of action it's a little bit more difficult i think with podcast uh, network because you just don't have the types of personalities yet. You have some really good personalities, but it's not the breadth of content that you have available on YouTube. Like if I go into, let's say I'm John Deere and I want to go look for, oh, give me a dozen really amazing agricultural influencers. You know what? You could probably find that on YouTube right now. You probably can't on it's iTunes or Stitcher. It's great point, yeah. But I think you will, um, which which is so funny to me because it's so much... Not that what we do is produce this is easy, but it's so much easier to do this than it is <laughs> right. to produce a video. Right, And yes. uh, so I think it's just a little bit behind. That's why I think there's such an opportunity in podcasting right now because, I mean, it, it doesn't t- – there's no barrier to entry to get going.
1: Yeah, so, that's right. That's
0: right. a very minimal barrier. What do, you, what do you
1: think? Do you think that well, – do you agree with me or am I I off? think it's – well, you know, here's the thing. I, I you know, I, I absolutely can see – you know, but – where's the where's the advertising agency buying the publisher and where's the business buying the app you know i you know all of these things that i'm i'm i want to see and i think we're are you know coming i i'm i'm yet to see so i think there's a huge opportunity there for a big company to leverage something really interesting i think you're you're right which is video is the hot thing right now, and I think it, for whatever reason, feels easier for the business to sort of create a YouTube network than it does a podcast network. But to your point, it's 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 really a low barrier to entry, um, and I think I think we'll see it. I think we'll see it in the next two years. How about that? We'll I'll 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 I'll, I'll, I'll extend your prediction by six months. Yeah,
0: I I don't know about the podcasting, but I really feel. <clears throat> That 2016, for a variety of reasons, for the the marketplace is ready, the budgets, the money is there, the cash is there. That we will see more M and A transaction in and around what we do in 2016 than we've ever seen. And that's I a great and point. I'll put I'll take that to the bank because you and I are both seeing it, hearing it firsthand.
1: <laughs> it's uh, we are taking that to the bank in a weird way. In a
0: weird way, we are. That's a in really a weird, good p- that's way. Very, but maybe
1: no, it's very but insightful. Maybe we should. Well, here's the thing. Speaking of taking it to the bank, we have a lovely sponsor we should talk about. Absolutely. You know what? This. It, correct me if I'm wrong. I think
0: Emma has sponsored PNR more than any other sponsor. Is that correct? Do you know? I this? think that's right.
1: I think that is correct. I, I believe that is. Somebody's going to
0: tell us if, if that's right or. Not. I, this has got to be the fourth or fifth time. We love Emma. I Uh, think it's the fourth. I think
1: it's the fourth time, yep. Okay, very good.
0: So this old marketing is sponsored by the lovely folks at Emma, email marketing for the modern brand. Emma is provider of best-in-class software and services that help organizations of all sizes get more from their email marketing. And Emma's new modern marketers field guide. Maybe
1: that what should have been it. The modern marketing economy. The modern marketer. Well, that's a term these days. I'm seeing more and more of that. They're, that this term called the modern marketer, which is a really interesting. Term because who art. doesn't
0: want to be a modern
1: marketer? Like, what's the opposite of being a modern marketer? An old marketer. Yeah, it's like a, a, what do you, a history, like you wouldn't a want. Marketer.
0: There's no like, hey, what job did you get? I'm the old marketing manager. Really, the The old old is in the title. No, I'm the modern marketing manager. That's much, much modern marketing. So, (laughs) Eva's new modern marketers field guide, and and we've got a call coming in right now. You'll, (laughs) can you hear that? I'm I'm actually getting (laughs) a little bit during, yeah, during this very important sponsorship, we're getting a call. You're calling me from Sydney or
1: Singapore or something like that. You can take that. You can take that to the bank, my friend.
0: <laughs> in Emma's new <laughs> Modern Marketer's Field Guide, you'll learn how to identify and use the right marketing tools to craft emails that truly stand out in the inbox, very hard to do, and create a personal experience for every subscriber. I like that they use the word subscriber. Download I do the too. guide now at bitly.com/myemma-field-guide. That's bit.ly.com slash myemma-field-guide to get your Modern Marketers Field Guide today. You will not be disappointed. And please
1: support our sponsors. Thank you to Emma for making this possible. Thank you, Emma. And I love Nashville. I, I haven't gotten to Nashville in a while. I need to get back there. That's where Emma is. They're in Nashville. I didn't know that. We That's should go. Pay, you didn't know that? We should go pay him a visit. We should. We should go listen to some country music, go to Robert's Western World, which is an amazing bar there. It's an awesome bar in Nashville. For all you people in Nashville, you it's know really called it, uh, Roberts it's West. Just, it's really called after you. It's named after you.
0: Is that a true? Is this a it's, true it's, thing?
1: It is. It, it is named Roberts. It is not named after me, but it is. It is called Roberts. I think it's called Roberts Western World. Uh, maybe it's Roberts Western something. And I think. It, and, and it's it's right there on the the main drag. And it's just a. It's an. It's a wonderful. You see all these unbelievable musicians. That in the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville. Oh, Bluebird's great. Unbelievable place to listen. Yeah, to listen to country music
0: fantastic so
1: all right folks it is your favorite part of our show it's our rants and rave section where joe and i go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave on something that makes us say we feel like rattling off donald trump insults or making us say oh a satisfied customer we should have him stuffed so anyway uh let's see rants and raves you i'm going first because i have this old marketing. that effect. is correct you're That's up correct. my friend all right i have a rave this week and my rave, um, which is uh, surprised me. Big hat tip by uh, here, by the way, to Douglas Burdett, um, Artillery Marketing. Awesome, awesome guy. Um, sends in a lot of ideas for show uh, notes and all that sort of stuff. And and this comes to us courtesy of McKinsey, um, the consulting firm. And I just had to pay a rave to this because this is an article that they've written, and I think it feels like they're writing a book here, um, but uh, I don't know if they are or not. The guys who wrote has written a few articles, the, the guys who wrote this article. And the article is really about how digital marketing operations can transform business. and. This says in maybe 1,500 words, 1,000 words, whatever it is, it is is like they took the table of contents out of Carla Johnson's and my book, Experiences, The Seventh Era of Marketing, and sort of said, yeah, here you go. This is some more stuff to think about because it's just – it just aligns so well with what we talk about there. They talk about how digital marketing operations, and this is the part I really liked it, from their experience. Marketing operations is certainly not something that's very sexy to talk about, but it is becoming one of the most important things, optimizing and creating a new operation and function of marketing. And when it's done well, they have seen a 15 to 25% improvement in marketing effectiveness with just the improvement in the marketing operation. That's an incredibly important thing. And the article itself then goes on to talk about five different things, which all of which I just could not recommend more highly. It's just a really wonderful piece where one, truly understanding the customers where they say like any meaningful relationship, getting to know your customers is a commitment. In other words, and that's something that Carl and I talk about, which is persona and audience development is not a project. It's a process. They talk about delivering a superior experience as their number two suggestion when they say what happens when customers have a bad experience they stop doing business with a company uh and a souring of the customer experience as they say can take place at any point which is why getting the consumer journey right requires getting everything right. And that's such an important piece because as we talk about in the book, that sort of expansion of marketing's remit of responsibility from the top of the funnel throughout the entirety of the funnel, as it were. And they talk about, so thank you. I like the way I work that in there. Selecting the right marketing technology, talking about how customer experiences and delivering them requires marketing technology that can automate, personalize, coordinate And all of that, which is something I've been hot on lately, implementing processes and governance as their number four, which is the ability to use technology to enable the uh, customer experience. But then it actually has to have people and processes and governance to ensure that the technology is actually doing something right. And then, lastly, using the right metrics to drive success, understanding the difference between goals and metrics and KPIs and all that. And it's just, it's just a really well thought out, concise piece. Of course, I'm going to rave about it because it agrees with my basic, uh, my notion that you know that, that marketing is changing and evolving, and we have to evolve the processes within it. That, and you know, the way as we say in the book, marketing' is job now is to create value separate and distinct from the products that we actually actually Actually, put into the marketplace. That is something we also have to do. We have to describe the value in ever clever ways and be really good at features and benefits and persuasion and unique value propositions and unique sales propositions. But we also have to evolve our processes into the idea of creating value that's separate and distinct. And this article is just a really wonderful, um, concise. Uh, explanation of that. And so I I just and if you're looking for a business case of, you know, I get asked all the time. In fact, I was just asked yesterday at an event, what's the first step we can start to take to change some of the culture that it has to create, co- you know, processes like content marketing or inbound or SEO or all these things that we're trying to do where the culture is really stacked against us. Point them to this article. This is a great article where you can say, look, if I can drive a 15 or 25% more effective result by just changing the processes, that's totally worth doing in and of itself, much less taking some of these new strategies to market. Anyway, that's my rave.
0: I would rather just send them your book. Wouldn't that be better? (laughs) Yes.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I don't want to be... I don't want to be selfish you about can it. Say it.
0: <laughs> I think it's fine. You should say. Actually, you should send. Let's see, David Edelman and Jason Heller.
1: I was. I was thinking about. You that, should send actually, them your sending book. Sending them a copy of the book. Absolutely. I, I, I think, think they, think they would dig it. I think the that book. they would
0: dig it. I mean, McKinsey's yeah. doing some stuff that's right along the lines of what we've been talking about.
1: So I'm. I like. Yeah, they really are. They're. They're thinking on this same. I mean, we use some of their other previous writings that they wrote about last year, <clears throat> which was quite honestly. When I read some of the stuff that they wrote last year, these same two guys, um, in December or November of last year, I was like, it really put a fire under my butt for me and Carla to get things going because we said, oh, my gosh, they're writing a book. We were convinced that they were writing a book that was going to come out and sort of beat us to the punch, and it hasn't come out yet, so we'll see. So you won. That's what that's all about. <laughs> well, I don't know if I won or not, but we actually crossed, we we crossed the yeah <laughs> yeah right winner Maybe winner chicken dinner, dinner right there. Gets. Yeah.
0: You know, sprinkles, sprinkles are for <laughs> all right, winners. What about you, man? Um,
1: you got a rave or a rant?
0: This I week? got I have I have a rave, and you know what's funny is you didn't even know that I was gonna do do this rave here, and we've talked multiple times about this concept, so I'm just gonna hit it home again. So there's two articles. The first article comes from Variety magazine and talks about how Univision signs Hispanic YouTubers for new digital multi-channel network. So we we're just talking about the podcast network, and this is something Univision does. And I'm and I'm pairing this with Bill Simmons, founder of Grantland, who got let go at ESPN. Are you a Grantland fan? Have you? Have you? I am. Yeah. I just, I mean, yeah. I love i love Grantland.com. I always find something interesting there. So Bill Simmons, who's the founder of Grantland, joins HBO, and the, the title here from the New York Times is Bill Simmons to join HBO going from free agent to freedom. Um, so this is interesting. You have two media companies doing this where they're looking at influencers in the market, you know, one's on YouTube in the Hispanic market, one is Bill Simmons. And I think that It's time. This, so this is really good for brands to look at. Brands of any size. Business, I don't care what size business you are. I think this is something that we all need to look at. Look at the talent out there to bring them in. Those people that are really creative, really amazing storytellers, maybe already built their own audiences that you can reap the benefits of. I think so many of the brands that you and I talk to are scared of their talent getting too big. And being, let's say, bigger than the brand themselves, but I think the ones that embrace it are going to reap the rewards of that. And I think you're seeing media companies do that right now, and they've been doing it for a long time. But, again, we're seeing this in the modern marketing era, if you will, uh, Bill Simmons <laughs> and Univision. And uh, and I love these two examples. We'll put them in the show notes, obviously. But uh, but I would love to see more uh, more mar- more marketers on the brand side uh, do this i don 't know are you seeing anything go on like i th- i just i'm not seeing anything like you said on IBM b i'm not putting a podcast network together are you t- i'm seeing it uh, every media company we're talking to is looking talking to is looking at this but we're not seeing it on the brand side as much and it's just interesting that they're a little bit slower to this opportunity, which i think right now is the opportunity for this to happen
1: yep I think that I absolutely agree. I absolutely, and I'm not, to answer your question, I am not seeing this happen. I mean, I'm still, you know, I'm still seeing, you know, my my big, you know, rant or rave or whatever it is these days with, with, with most clients is really coming in and helping them understand how their content marketing efforts are not just another way to do collateral. You know, so so many, so many. The, the challenge that I see, the biggest challenge that I see in most content marketing efforts these days, is that it is it, it, the process is started, the content is getting created, and some of it is really, really good, but all of it doesn't necessarily connect to one another. And so, what ha- what's happened is is that these these content marketing efforts are now sort of looking back over their last year or eighteen months of existence and saying. Wow, we created some pretty good stuff, but none of it's really connected and, you know, some of the assets were great and some of the assets weren't, but they don't really build toward anything. And so it's just, and ultimately, what that content marketing process looks like is just another form of collateral. It's just, an, you know, it's just, you know, it's the classic: we're creating TV by turning the cameras around and filming radio shows, right? We're creating content marketing by turning the cameras around and doing campaign-based marketing. And so it's really changing that mindset of the investment model and in the process to think about what are we building toward? What are these assets ultimately? building toward why is the 25th white paper in the resource center why does it make the 24th and the 23rd and the 22nd even more valuable and that's the that's the that's that's where i'm focused mostly these days interestingly enough
0: so do we have a uh, so
1: you have this old marketing this week uh, do we have a good one Did you find a good one? I do. I do actually. Yeah, I have a short one, which is which is just really great. And I wanted to do it in celebration of my uh, my my visit here to Oz down under. Great. Um, And it's yeah, I got to sit with these guys yesterday a little bit and do a little talking. And I went out and did a little research when I got back to the hotel about them. This is a company called Flight Center. Um, They are a travel service agent, which is you know a business that has been beleaguered and disrupted. I think we can all agree. You know the travel agent agency business, but they are, um, you know, they have a multiple brands that focus on different areas. Including like travel for um, you know just normal vac- family vacation travel, but then they also do cruises and 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 services for young people and uh, cheap vacations, expensive vacations, etc. And as they say, they can organize flights and holidays and hotels and all that kind of stuff. Um, they have a magazine that they've been publishing for two years now um, called Travel Ideas Magazine, and I got to actually hold it and in- and you would love this magazine, Joe, because it's just a beautiful mag. The photography is beautiful. The paper. I know you're a fan of paper, and that paper is just really great to the touch. It's just a really nice feeling very premium feeling magazine and they've been publishing it for a while and it's basically really meant to just highlight all of the destinations that they can help you achieve so they their first one was the USA and then they did I, the one I looked at was basically Asia where they highlighted Thailand and Vietnam and all these different locations they have these feature writers that write about these locations and all of them sort of have this really interesting angle to position the idea of having someone help you organize a trip is better. And that's the really interesting content mission there. It's not to show – I mean, it is to show off how awesome these places are, but in an interesting way, it's also to talk about how – not having to worry about where you know you're organizing your own trip is all this so it's basically a concierge service and that's why the magazine is called travel ideas kind of a concierge to say here's how we can help you have the best vacation and here's where you might want to have them and all of that content as they say is designed to position the company as really an expert on anything related to travel wherever you're going to go do and i got the they've been doing this and what they've done is they actually distribute it through the actual physical stores, the offices that they have. They've got, um, you know, they, they, about 75,000 different copies go out to all the different offices across here in Australia where you can just pick it up for free and sort of get it. They've also sent it in a targeted way to some customers who they knew were going to be traveling to specific places. And so you might just all of a sudden get in the mail uh, a magazine that sort of helps you make a decision about going someplace. And then when I was sitting down with them and what I loved about this and why I thought it was was a great example is here's something they've been doing, they've been doing it for a while because they just knew it was the right thing to do. It was a good idea. But they were really kind of struggling and are basically now challenged with how do we start measuring this? How do we actually start thinking about this in a measurable way? And they're really starting to think about how do we now transform this thing that is now sort of a a good, we've got the content going, it's good content. How do we build a subscriber, a subscribed audience to this? And so their next phase is to build this into a subscription based platform where they're going to get all the data and start to drive a lot of value out of the company with this. And they're looking at the next year and a half to two years to build that subscriber base i just i loved it that they're so committed to doing this and they did it first and got it done in a right way and now they're looking at how they can actually build the subscription model on top of that
0: that's fascinating did you talk with brian crisp is that the person you talked to at flight center
1: uh I'm forgetting his name off the top. I'm so bad. No, that's I'm okay. His so name when off the I, top we're, my head, yeah, yeah. So on, it's, when we it's were, early here.
0: When we were over there for uh, content marketing, Sydney Brian was on the panel and did a fantastic job talking about exactly what you were talking about. But I'm, I'm, I love to hear that evolution into the subscriber. So I mean, it's yeah, it's yeah. fast, faci- really a fascinating model. Absolutely, yeah, really they had some Wonderful guts story. to launch that, and and then Brian, yeah, exactly, well, Brian, who's the editor in chief, used to be. Uh, let's see. I don't know what his exact position, but he was like one of the lead editors. I think at News Limited Travel or something like that, one of the le- leading travel publications in Australia. So, I mean, then they recruited a real journalist on the brand side. So that's another thing that
1: they were sort of leaders in. So, it's good, great, great story. That's fantastic. Love that. Yep. absolutely. So
0: you are you oh, have a, you have a I'm gig today.
1: I do. I'm, I'm here at the Adobe Symposium uh, for Australia, uh, where I will later today do a keynote for 400 of my closest friends and family here in Australia um, on experiences. And then I fly tomorrow morning to Singapore, uh, where I'll repeat that process for Adobe Symposium in Singapore in, on Thursday, and then I'll be home on Friday morning. So it's a whirlwind tour for sure, but That's quick. Uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really quick. So I, I
0: yeah. don't and have, How about you? Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm maybe taking a couple trips to the suburbs from Cleveland, but nothing, like, <laughs> nothing like uh, <laughs> Sydney or, or Singapore. No, it's actually pretty late back this week. I've got a ton of meetings, but they're all in and around the Cleveland, Ohio area and everything is just, you know, we're six and a half Weeks out of the content, marketing, content world. marketing world. So, yeah. I mean, here's when it comes. You know, we're, we're working on, as you know, we're working on the keynotes right now, making sure everything's in place, all the logistics, the music, uh, you name it. So The it's, music, the motion. Hey, the music is critical, as you know. We've yeah. had people request our playlist. It's been that good. And nice. I can't let, we awesome. can't let the people down this year. We have to stay up on our That's playlist. That's right. So, yeah, looking forward That's to it. That's right. So, all right, good stuff. Hey, safe travels back. All right,
1: absolutely. And, thank you very uh, much and good luck on thank your you on your much. wonderful keynotes and uh yeah. I, I I thank you for that as well yeah it, it should be it should be a lot of fun all right folks that is it for Joe polizzi this is Robert Rose signing off and you know tweet us up we love those story ideas. This week, we got so many. So thank you. Thank you so much. I know there's a number of you who sent ideas in. We didn't have time for the stories. Um, please keep them up. We are so appreciative of all of the stories through the hashtag This Old Marketing. Um, and you also can follow, of course, the hashtag This Old Marketing for all the discussion that's happening there. And if you've got a question and you don't like hashtags, you know, send us an email, ThisOldMarketing@ContentInstitute.com. And if you like this episode, number 89, we do hope you'll consider subscribing on iTunes or All the links that we talk about will be in the show notes, available at thisoldmarketing.com. Remember, folks, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.